you're new to photography or you're moving on to your first camera which gives you the opportunity to go to manual mode that can be a little bit daunting so I've deliberately picked this um, as a subject manual mode and, and do you need to know it I'm also looking at it slightly from the perspective of a wildlife photographer but really uh, manual uh, and how you use manual I think is reasonably universal I'm sure someone will disagree with me except for certain circumstances I'll talk about those so first of all <laughs> manual do you need to know it 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 can be a bit daunting when you first look at that dial on the camera or that uh, menu selection depending on what kind of camera you've got and manual is there so what does manual actually do well manual gives you full control over what the camera is doing so how the camera is set up so the things that you're primarily looking at are your aperture so how wide the um, the aperture is in the lens so how much light is hitting the sensor or the film if you're using film camera and what that affects is obviously the brightness of the image it will have an influence on your shutter speed and it also controls your depth of field and depth of field is probably the most important thing and certainly from the perspective of creating um, visually impactful uh, results, photographs I think depth of field is one of the strongest um, factors um, in what makes an image good or bad it certainly will draw the viewer's eye to whatever is in focus in that image which hopefully is the thing you were aiming at uh, it isn't always so that's aperture though and in manual mode you absolutely have full control over aperture the other factor is shutter speed which I've already already mentioned so again how big that aperture is will determine how fast the camera can shoot and the amount of light going in obviously is the other part of that particular equation and is that important to you so this I would rank as probably less important than depth of field from a creative perspective because even if you get the shutter speed wrong you can still get a very creative image and a very impactful image even if things are slightly blurred which tend, tends to be what happens when you get the shutter speed wrong um, I, I guess the other thing is if you get it too fast and here I'm thinking of um, when I used to used to photograph aircraft and propeller driven aircraft and helicopters and things like that to me a bad photograph of those aircraft is when that propeller or that rotor blade is completely frozen so there's absolutely no movement in it at all and that's using a very fast shutter speed <clears throat> excuse me in the thousandth of a second to me to make that image more impactful you need some movement and this would um, perhaps apply to racing cars so I've, I've photographed Formula One as well and um, the thing that really worked for me was using a slowish shutter speed focused on the vehicle the, the bodywork of the car and panning as I shoot so that the background is blurred and even the wheels you can see are blurred the lettering on the tyres is blurred if they're obvious and that I think gives a very um, impactful image so you're only going to do that with a shutter speed in the hundreds so with the hundreds so I used to shoot one 125th 
to get that effect. That was my kind of go-to shutter speed. But if you're in the hundreds, you'll freeze certain things, but you do retain movement depending on how fast your subject is going. So that's shutter speed. So that you again have full control over. And then the other thing that you will have full control over is the ISO or your sensitivity. Um, So that controls obviously how quickly the sensor is going to respond to the light and how much light is is going to reach the final image. So if you have um, a dark image, you probably, not always, but let's say in a given set of circumstances, to make an image darker, just reduce the ISO and um, it will get darker. To make it brighter, increase the ISO. So a low ISO number might be 25. Um, A high ISO number might be 3200. So that's the kind of thing with those numbers. So this, if you're not used to this, this might be sounding a bit techy and a bit kind of, um, you know, a bit of a lot of gobbledygook, really. Um, And this is kind of why I don't use manual very much. It's not that I don't understand it. And I think it's actually very good. It gives you, manual gives you maximum creative control over what you're shooting. The question comes down to, first of all, do you need that level of creative control? So is it needed? And secondly, is it even desirable? And the reason I'm asking that question is it depends on what you're shooting and what the circumstances are. So if you are shooting um, a still life, let's say a bowl of fruit, in a studio where you have full control over the lighting and everything else, then, yeah, manual is absolutely fine because you can take a tape measure and and measure the distance from the focal point on the object you're shooting that you want to have in sharp focus, take it back to that little mark on the body of the camera uh, that shows you where the, um, uh, the film would reside, the film plane, um, or where the sensor is, and then you've got an exact distance... You set that up on your lens with your manual focus. Let's not even go to manual focus and autofocus, although they're a function of the lens rather than the camera. And manual, the manual that I'm talking about is the, the function of the uh, the camera itself. Excuse me. And then you can shoot away. You can experiment with your aperture. Are you getting the right depth of field? What is the light looking like? You can vary the shutter speed, although the shutter speed can be whatever you want. In that circumstance, shutter speed is probably controlling more controlling the light um, than it is any movement because there's no movement at all. So you can pick whatever shutter speed um, supports the um, exposure, really. Um, with ISO, generally the the rule, so the general rule of thumb is to shoot with the lowest ISO you can get away with. And the reason for that is that as you increase the ISO number, as you make the image brighter, you start getting more what they call noise, but you can begin to see the pixels that make up the photograph. They become more obvious, particularly where you have an area of the image that is one colour. So if you're shooting sky, for example it will start showing noise or the pixels um, sooner than other parts of the uh, the photograph. Now, um, there, there's a little bit more to it than that, but as a general rule, that's good enough. And for the purpose of this podcast, that's probably all you need to know. So 
that's manual mode and, and yet it's fantastic because you can completely control everything how much blurriness you've got in the image how sharp it is if you want something that's very granular looking um, you can do that um, as well in manual mode however is it desirable well now I'm going to step in and talk about wildlife photography so what are the factors of wildlife photography now sometimes the animal is moving very quickly and here I'm thinking about um, a humpback whale breaching or something like a cheetah chasing down prey those animals are moving very fast so what, what are the things I need there well the, the primary need is probably shutter speed so earlier I was saying that aperture is probably the most important consideration because it controls your depth of field but in that situation in that wildlife circumstance and let's also maybe look at uh, the motor racing example as well probably shutter speed is the key is the most important setting you want on that camera so if you're doing this in manual mode you've then got to recalculate everything you've got to have an, an iso that gives you the kind of result you, you want the sort of sharpness you want or do you want it looking more grainy well that's your your iso setting and then how much light how bright is the image because that's primarily what the aperture is going to give you if shutter speed is your priority and then secondary to um, the brightness of the image how much of it is in focus uh, in, in front of and behind your subject and unless you're very good and you're, you're very practiced and you've predicted correctly what you need on those other settings if you're trying to do that as a manual photographer you, the chances of getting a good shot I, I would say are not that great again depends how practiced you are and how good you are at it and the chances of getting a second shot, having been able to check the initial image and get a second shot, are probably non-existent. Certainly in those circumstances, and I've shot both, I've photographed a lot of breaches, I've photographed um, cheetah running down the prey. You get one crack at that and then you're done. So if you get it wrong, that, that's that opportunity lost forever. So do you need manual? Uh, my answer to that is it's good to understand it but you definitely don't need to know it that well it's more important to understand the exposure triangle and that's essentially what I've been talking about and that is the relationship between aperture shutter speed and sensitivity so ISO so I, I think as a photographer if you want to go beyond taking snapshots and that to me is where most people do their photography and yeah, you know, cameras these days, if you leave it on auto, we're going the opposite to manual. Auto will pretty much guarantee you in almost any situation a decent image. It will, it will be as well exposed as the camera is capable of doing. And as long as you've got your focus set up right, it will be nice and, and in focus and you can probably see everything. It will give you nice snapshots and that for most people is all they want. That to them is a good photograph. But if you want to get more creative, if you want to start photographing images that make people look twice, that they spend time looking at, or you want to draw them to a particular part of the image because you're now starting to get into that visual storytelling mode, which is something I like to talk about. It's, when I teach photography, that's what I talk about. You need to move beyond auto. Auto will not get you those results. Um, so if you're happy with auto, stop listening. <laughs> and, and look, it's, it's fine. People 
what people want from their photography is what they want from their photography. So there are no wrongs and rights here. But if you want to shoot images that really catch people's attention, then in my opinion, you need to be uh, shooting creative photographs and you cannot do that in, or it's very, very difficult to do that in auto. So manual is the other end of that. So auto, the camera is doing everything for you. You just pick it up, you point at what you want to photograph, you focus and the camera does the rest and you get a nice image. In manual, it's the opposite. You still have to obviously pick your subject. You still need to focus it, whether it's done manually or um, using the camera's autofocus. doesn't really matter. Or you're using very wide-angle lens and it's sort of you can't do anything other pretty much than get it all in focus. But beyond that, in manual, you have full creative control. Now, the question comes down to how much do you need? And this is where we get into these other modes. So I'm going to touch on them. Um, I won't go into it in too much, but you'll notice on your camera dial, um, you'll see M on one part of the dial, a a distance away from that, you'll have A for auto, which is often in green, (laughs) the safe part of the uh, lens to be. And then you'll find some other things. And sometimes they're called, you might have an S mode or an AV mode. Um, You might have... um, um, P mode, program mode. So these modes all sit between being fully automatic and being fully manual. And what that means is that the camera is doing something else for you. It's doing some of the hard work for you. It's doing some of the calculations for you based on what you're giving it in terms of light and in terms of certain other settings. And what you do with these modes is you choose what's most important for you. So I'm going to talk about aperture priority because that tends to be what I use because mostly the animals I shoot are not moving very fast or they're not moving at all. If you, if you think of an animal sitting down or asleep or whatever it's doing, most of the photographs I take, the animal is not moving. So what aperture priority mode does, it means that I control the aperture, the camera doesn't do that, but it then, and in fact it won't do the ISO either, that that you would generally need to make a call on. Uh, And as I've said, the general rule there is to make it as low as you can get away with, but then I'll set the aperture I want. And what I'm interested in is the depth of field, because what I'll do when I'm shooting an animal, if it's sitting stationary, or or even if I'm doing a portrait of somebody, again, they're, they're generally stationary, um, I'll focus on their eyes. So I'm not talking about sports photography necessarily where people are moving or the balls are moving and all of that. That's another another thing. But I'll tend to focus I'll focus on an eye or both eyes if I can get if they're um, the same distance from the camera or I'll pick the eye closest to me as a general rule and focus on that. And the reason I do that is when you're setting up depth of field, um, the point you've focused on uh, is... is obviously the the point that's going to be sharpest, but there's an area in front of that point, so between that point and the camera, and um, an area behind or a distance behind that point um, that remain in focus, and just the one close to the camera is shorter than one behind. So if you want to get both eyes in focus, um, you can. You, it's, a, it's a good trick to use. If you do a very narrow depth of field, you can even get one eye in focus and the other out, but here we're getting into detail. So... With aperture priority, what I've done is I've 
sorted out my depth of field, so how much of the image is in focus and what part of the image is in focus. And I will go from there and then I'll use, tend to use the shutter speed to compensate for the light, how much light there is to make sure it's not overexposed or it's not underexposed. And um, that's how I'll use that. So to answer the question about manual mode, do you need to know it? The short answer on any camera is no, because pretty much with any camera you can flip it to auto, fully auto, and you can, you'll take nice photographs. But as somebody once said to me, um, <laughs> they, they moved from a cheap camera to a more kind of professional, a more expensive and upmarket camera. And he said that what he was expecting was is the photographs would immediately get better, and they didn't. They were the same. So you've got to remember the most important part of the camera is that they used to call it the 12 inches behind the viewfinder. So it, it is you as a photographer, your understanding of the camera. So if you're going to invest money in a decent camera, and by decent, I just mean that one that gives you some creative control, do spend a bit of time learning about the camera modes. And what I mean by that is modes are automatic, they're fully manual, and then whatever it's got in between. And just learn what they mean, because what you're likely to find is that the best mode for you, for the kind of photography you're doing, is likely to be something between fully automatic and fully manual. So, as I've said, fully auto, for me that's kind of amateurs, It's or not even amateurs, it's just people who take snapshots. They'll have it in auto, they'll post them on Facebook, they'll put them in an album, but everything's in focus, and um, yeah, they're just the kind of photographs that anyone can take, everyone will take, because there's no real knowledge needed to shoot them. And look, if, if people, as I've said, are pleased with that, they're pleased with that, and that's all good. However, if you do want to even consider yourself an amateur photographer, to me that means you need to have an understanding of your camera, you need to have an understanding of how to create good photographs, and you really need to know what is a good photograph for you. Uh, and, and so one of the places I like to start when I'm teaching photography is to get people to go through a process where we identify what a good photograph is for you but I don't just mean it in a broad sense in that you know that's a nice photo what we do is we break it down into specifics about what is what specifically makes that a good photograph you, you know if there's a checklist you can have of what makes a good photograph or what is that checklist for you and then having identified that checklist how do you then implement it in your day-to-day -day photography so that most of the, you know, nine out of ten photographs that you shoot conform to those rules. You're happy with the images you're getting. So that's the answer to manual mode. If that's interested you, if you'd like to know more, I've given you some information, but I've not given you other because um, it becomes suddenly um, a photography lesson. So I do have online courses. You're very welcome to contact me to... Uh, find out about them they are on memberville they are i don't think are on a current website right now so um they're definitely available and um you can check them out see what they give you uh, but they'll give you a lot of information so it goes through um those courses and and there, there's one for smartphone photography there's another one for dslr mirrorless photography and the reason they're different is exactly the answer to this question because most smartphones are automatic 
Um, you can do some post-processing with them afterwards, but um, you don't have that control or you don't have that level of manual control or, or um, control of the modes that you have on a DSLR mirrorless. So if that interests you, that um, course is there. So it will take you through the process of what is a good photograph for you. But I'll give you criteria that you can apply and we'll actually look at specific photographs. That will be an activity for you to look at specific photographs and identify what makes that picture stand out for you. And then what you'll come up with is a checklist of things that you need to get photographs that are good for you. And then we'll start developing how do you um, apply those in practice. Uh, we'll go through how to get the camera doing a lot of the hard work for you. We'll go through how you use autofocus. We'll go through how the camera measures light so that you can make sure that you get the right um, light settings from your camera. Um, there's all sorts of stuff in that and how you know where do you want to use the photographs. So if you're just shooting for um, social media where you just want to have a, a fairly small JPEG or you're shooting for something like Instagram, then that's one set of criteria for what you need to be shooting. If you want to shoot fine art and uh, or produce a photograph that you can blow up and put on a wall, that's a completely different requirement um, when it comes to planning how you shoot. So all of this stuff and a lot more is in that. So um, if you do, if you would like to know more about that, you can um, always uh, just contact me. Is probably the best thing. So that's Graham at ge dot photography. That's the email address graham g-r-a-h-a-m at g-e dot photography but um excuse me whether you want to do that or not i hope you found this uh interesting <laughs> as a discussion and hopefully you're a bit more relaxed now about, about not having to uh, delve into manual um i do know some people who love shooting in manual and look this is um it entirely comes down to whatever floats your boat and how you like to shoot but um, I know for a lot of people, manuals are a bit intimidating and um, it, it, it can be counterproductive. As I say, if you're shooting things that are happening fast, um, so it might be sports photography, wildlife photography, and anything where you need um, to do things fast, then manual is probably not the mode you want to be using. Um, or even some specialist stuff. Uh, st some, some stuff like macro, um, astrophotography, that kind of stuff, even landscapes manual can be very good. So it comes back to what is the kind of what are the kind of uh, images you're shooting, what is, what is the discipline that you're involved in. Okay, and I'll speak to you on the on the next podcast. Bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for with my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcast and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now.